Welcome back, folks. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about an actual fire that we had on stage during a production I was part of. So if you're new to my podcast, welcome. And the reason I started doing these is I spoke with a college student who asked me if there's really a way to have a fulfilling life, a lot of fun, and make enough money to call the technical side of theater a career. And the answer is absolutely yes. And out of that conversation, the idea came up that I should do podcast of my 40 plus years in this theater industry. I'm very close to 45 years in this industry. So one of the things I want to do first is plant a seed in your mind about accidents that happen in life. Many times an accident is a series of things that go wrong. It's never just one thing usually. Okay. And if you followed me for long, you know that my hobby is aviation and that I'm a pilot. And there's a saying with pilots that um, takeoffs are optional and landings are mandatory. You never crash into the sky, you crash into the ground. So if you've decided to take off, you've done your pre-flight checklist, you've done all your safety stuff, you know what the weather is, you know, density altitude and all the nerd stuff you got to know to fly an airplane. You do your weight and balance. And then you decide, I'm going to start this engine up and I'm going to take off into the sky. Because once you're in the sky, you have to land and you want to land safely. Working in environments like the theater, there are a lot of hazards that you may not even know are there unless you have an imagination or experience, or you think about what could go wrong. Now, I like that word imagination because it was actually used in the 60s during a Senate hearing when the Apollo fire happened that burned up the three astronauts. And a senator asked one of the astronauts during the hearing, what do you think we really had this fire? And the the astronaut answered, the lack of imagination. And the senator goes, could you explain to me what you mean by that? And the astronaut goes, we never imagined in a dress rehearsal that was deemed non-hazardous that we could ever have a fire. There was no fuel in the rocket. The escape system wasn't armed. There was no fuel in the reaction control systems. So basically, in their minds, this, this rocket was not flammable at all. And he goes, we didn't have the imagination to understand that in a 100% pure oxygen environment, with all the Velcro and cloth that had been soaked in that oxygen environment for hours, because they'd been in the rehearsal all day, that we could have a spark ignited. We just didn't imagine what could go wrong. So what I want to do is, when I uh, walked away from high school and started my career in theater, I wore a lot of different hats. I did some audio engineering. I actually would go back to the high school I went to and help out on the musicals each year. I ended up having a full-time job uh, at the Lilly Theater, which is a 350-seat theater in the basement of the Children's Museum. I was there for eight years, and we did every type of show, and I'll do future podcasts on that. But one thing I did just about every year for 10 or 12 years after I left high school was go back and do the spring musical because the teacher there was a very good friend of mine, a mentor and somebody I extremely looked up to. 
And he would always call me up and say, hey, I got a musical coming up. You want to do the tech side, like the lighting and audio? And I'd say, of course I do. And I would fit it into my schedule of everything else I was doing. Well, this year, he told me he wanted to do Into the Woods. And I had heard of the musical, but I didn't know anything about it. So he said, look, basically, we're going to have a fixed set. And it's going to look like a forest on stage. And we're going to take down all the legs, which are drapery, stage left and right. They're masking drapery. And we're going to hang drops that look like tree trunks. We're going to take down all the borders, which is, again, masking for the stage. It's a fabric that goes across the top of the stage. We're going to take down all the borders and hang up what looks like basically the bottom of the trees or the canopy of the trees above the forest. And this is going to go four layers deep. So there's going to be four tree trunks and four layers of trees. And if you sat in the audience at about the 15th row, it looked like you were looking into a forest. It was a really neat set. Now, normally, if I built a set for him, I would go through and just do some safety checks on the test on, on, on the set. You know, I would go through with a lighter and a small fire extinguisher, or sometimes I actually had a beach towel that I soaked in water and carried around a bucket. But you'd go around the set and try to set different pieces of the set on fire. And if it and if it sustained a flame, you knew you needed to treat it with something like Roscoe Flame X, uh, you know, or a flame retardant uh, liquid. But since this was fabric drops, nobody really even thought about them being flammable. Or were they flammable? And just so you know, it wasn't the drops that even caught on fire. But they... But this is where it really could have been a catastrophe. And I'll get to that in a minute. So basically, this set was built. And I would show up each night after work and help the kids focus the lights, drag the stage kibbles around, program the lighting board. And about two weeks before Hell Week, the teacher, friend of mine, said, I'd like to use some pyros in this. Now, folks, I have done pyros for a long time in my life. Um... And actually, to be honest, and I, I hate to admit it in a podcast, I was a firebug as a kid. I played with fireworks and gasoline, grew up during the summers on a farm sometimes, um, always had farms around my house where we could go out in the cornfields and do stupid stuff. So I've never been scared of fire, but I've always respected fire. And I've always kind of understood how fire would behave. And actually, I think that helped me when the fire broke out on stage. So we get uh, the pyros figured out, which were going to be five what we call airbursts. And these airbursts were going to be a six-inch by six-inch square piece of flash paper with about a quarter teaspoon of flash powder in it, wrapped around an igniter, and hung in the air at 14 feet. And there'd be five of these, and they would go off sequentially. Well, they wanted to use the computer lighting board, and I'd always say absolutely not, because if somebody typed in channel 1 through 144 at full and hit it, you could set off the pyros without even being in the queue for the pyros. But they really wanted to use the lighting board, so I said, well, then we need to build a fail-safe, a fail-safe box. And they're like, watch that. And I said, well, we're going to use regular light switch light switches, and we're going to make them guarded, so there's a cover over them. And we're going to take the five circuits from the dimming system, uh, run them into five switches, and then run out of that box up to the pyro cables onto the batten. And that way, if these switches are off, even if a dimmer came on, the pyros couldn't go off. So these were the way you armed the pyros. And there was going to be a kid 
that was trained at what part of the musical to arm those five switches. And plus we had headsets on and I was always there anytime there was a performance where pyros would be used at this school. So on the opening, actually it was during hell week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday being the uh, dress rehearsal, we would test the pyros. We would test everything. We actually went through the entire musical uh, from the beginning to the end of the script on Monday. I think we did it twice because we were still getting cues right. Tuesday, it went great. Wednesday, dress rehearsals when we opened up to family and parents and administrators who want to just come in and see the show. Went flawlessly. Uh, Thursday night was our opening. Went flawlessly. Friday night, flawlessly. And Saturday's night is when we had the fire. And I want, as I do these podcasts, everybody, I'm sitting here with like a Mountain Dew, actually a Diet Mountain Dew, <laughs> and some Cheetos. And I sat here for a couple of hours and got all of my notes together. And I'm trying to be very laid back in the way I explain this to you, okay? I'm not making this like a documentary. But the way this fire happened was absolutely... Uh, lack of imagination is the only way I can describe what happened. So anytime the pyros would go off, I would be stage right off in the wings with a five-gallon uh, bucket of sand a fire extinguisher, and I had what I called a fire blanket that I could throw on something. And the reason I did this was just because of all the years I'd been around pyros. You just don't know if something can go wrong. But this is where there was complete lack of imagination. Since these were airburst, I wasn't concerned about a costume catching on fire. I wasn't, I wasn't concerned about anything being in close proximity because these things were hung 14 feet in the air. All five airbursts. And one thing I learned about pyros is anytime that you are going to detonate one, you always close your eyes so you're not looking right at it so you don't get retina burner. You see those little white dots in your eyes. So as the musical came up on the cue to do the pyros, I'm just sitting there on the listening on the headsets and all the cues are being called. And, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out because I love to be in the theater, folks. So I hear the cues coming up, you know, pyro standby, arm pyros through the headset. I close my eyes, go pyros, and there's a boom, 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 boom in succession, five little pops. And I can see the light through my eyelids a little bit. And then I open my eyes and I see a piece of flash paper still burning all the way to the ground. And when it hits the ground, literally within 10 seconds, the ground about 10 feet deep up to stage downstage and about 25 feet stage left and right was on fire. The flames were between probably six inches and 20 inches tall. And it was a whopper of a fire. Now this is where human behavior is really, really interesting because the first thing that happened to me is I froze. I looked at that and I couldn't even begin to believe what I was seeing. And then through the headset, I heard a kid yelling, fire, fire, fire. And I, I just, I was shocked. Now, I want to tell you how the floor caught on fire. So basically, because they had made this theater look like a forest, the downstage part 
they had basically laid muslin out on muslin fabric on the uh, floor and they had used a Hudson bug sprayer uh, to mist on paint. And then they had taken sponges to dab it, to make it look kind of like a dirt and uh, leaves and stuff floor. But upstage of that, behind a little bitty rise in the stage that looked like a little bit of a hill where nobody would walk, was actually a piece of carpet. And that carpet had been flipped upside down. So just the webbing on the back was face up. That had been painted a very dark green. But on it was what looked like fake moss and fake leaves and all this uh, foliage. Uh, if that's a proper word for that. And it caught on fire. So I run out on stage. Now I had about 75 feet of cable on my Clercom headset. So I ran out on stage. I grabbed that piece of carpet that was 10 feet deep, about 25 feet wide. And I drug it off into the wings, flipping it inverted, hoping to smother it. And it did. As soon as it was flat, there was no flames, no smoke. And this is where I still today feel a little bit like maybe I didn't do the right thing because in my ear was a kid yelling, should I drop the fire curtain? Should I drop the fire curtain? Now, the music was still going on. The orchestra was playing in the pit. The kids were still singing. And I said, no, stand by, stand by. And then I took all of that carpet and pushed it up against a concrete wall to get it away from anything flammable. And then I started slowly opening it and checking it. And about then the teacher, my really good friend, comes flying backstage from, he'd been up in the control booth calling the show. And he looks at me, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he says, you need to sit down. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I had black soot on my arms, folks. And it burned some of the hair off my arms, but I was not burnt. There wasn't any pain. Now, I know my adrenaline was going, and maybe if I were burnt, I wouldn't have known it, but I was not burnt at all. And in hindsight, I should have said, drop the fire curtain and announce the audience needs to go out into the lobby until further notice. Because it could have been smoldering in that fabric, and when oxygen got to it, Another thing is if some of the audience would have been leaving that uh, actually a good friend of mine pointed out the other day, I was talking about this, a theater consultant friend said that if people would have started leaving the theater and opening the doors, you know, you always get that rush of, of fresh air that's entering a room that if it was smoldering and there was a breeze on stage that it could have really caused that to burn a lot quicker, but it didn't. Okay, and and I'm not a person who completely obsesses with the future and the past because there's an old saying out there, you know, if you're worried about the future, if you got one foot in the future and one foot in the past, you're pissing on today. But folks, this fire just completely, even today, I mean, that was like 1988 that that fire happened. Okay, but. Once the, the show was over, you know, all the parents come backstage or they go to the dressing rooms and all the kids are all happy. A couple of parents came up to me and says, you know, Damon, we thought this was part of the show, those flames. We, we thought that was really cool until we saw you drag that thing off stage. And I tell you, folks, it was it's hard to describe what happened over the next 20 minutes. So we had drug the, drug the carpet all the way into the scene shop in the middle of a big concrete floor, flipped it back upright. There was no fire. There was no nothing. And I saw some kids carrying microphone stands. And I'm like, here, I'll help you put up the sound system. So we started putting away the sound system. 
And as I walked across the stage, I then looked at the tree trunk stage left and right, and those had the same fake moss and vines and all that going up them. And I felt sick to my stomach because it was at that moment I realized if those would have caught fire, we would have had the fire burn all the way up the uh, tree trunks into the scenery that was at the 20 and 30 foot level of this theater. And we would have had a full-blown fire that would have set off the sprinklers, ruined all the drapery, ruined the electrics, ruined everything. Now, I don't think a single person could have ever gotten hurt from this type of fire because everybody would have evacuated and got out. And I've always told anybody that will listen to me talk that if you're ever a part of a fire, of course, don't panic. And one thing about fire curtains, folks, they have two purposes. One is to be a fire barrier between the stage and the audience chamber. The other one is a visual barrier so people won't panic. A lot of people get hurt by panicking. I've always told my wife, daughter, and son, if we're in a restaurant or we're at a show and there's a fire, look for all the exits and go to the one that is the least crowded. If you're in a room where there's glass windows and a fire broke out and everybody's you know smashing into the exits and, and the smoke's filling the room, take a chair and break the window out. Find the quickest means of egress possible, okay? So I don't think anybody could have gotten hurt in this type of a fire. But the damage that could have been done, and plus the fear, I mean, just having that type of a fire would have been catastrophic. But when I look back on what burnt that was on that carpet, what was so flammable? Well, folks, if you've ever been around rope, uh, manila rope or hemp rope, it's designed to last 30 years. I mean, forever. What makes it last that long is the way the rope is made. And back in the day, rope was dipped in various oils. Linseed oil was one. I can't remember all the oils. But if you take that rope and take 12 inches of it and you unwind it, and you take like a pit comb and start combing through it. So you kind of have like a big afro of rope and you light a match to it. It will literally burst into flames. So what had happened is these kids took a whole bunch of this rope and made vines that were on the floor, made the moss. I mean, basically this entire floor was a bomb ready to happen. Now, if you're a theater person listening to this, you're going to go, man, you really screwed up not testing that, you know, not putting flame X on it, not putting all this stuff on it. You're totally right. In hindsight, a lighter should have been lit to that to test it to see if it was flammable. But because it was laying on the floor, because the drops had been used many times, even myself being the safety freak I am, never ever thought of lighting a match to anything and seeing if it burned. And, you know, we learn from experience. You know, another really good consultant friend of mine told me one time is you can't buy experience. All these people think they know it all, but until you do it, you really, you really don't know it. And, you know, you can't buy experience. You have to live experience. So when I look back on this fire, it was many things that went wrong. Um, ultimately, why did the flash paper burn all the way to the ground? 
I didn't find that out for about a month later. I had gone back to the school to help set up some audio stuff because a lot of people don't realize it. If you know me in the industry, you have no idea the huge audio background I used to have. I, I don't tell a lot of people about it because I just, once I got away from audio, I never wanted to look back. But I was in there setting up audio for the next day, like a convocation where they were going to have like uh, a talent show. And while we were setting up and testing it, I mean, of course, you got to put it away at night or somebody will steal it, but we're doing a sound check, basically, folks. Well, I was sitting in about uh, probably the, almost the back row of the entire theater. This, this theater had 1,102 seats or 1,202. I can't remember right now. I'd have to look at my notes. Big, big theater, high school. And a kid came up and sat next to me and said, you know, hey, uh, Mr. Atwood, I, I know why that pyro burnt all the way to the ground. And I said, why? He said, nobody wants to tell you because they think you're going to be mad at everybody. I said, well, <laughs> just go ahead and tell me. He said, well, because it was the last night, we used three sheets of pyro paper instead of one. And we put almost a table, I mean, a teaspoon of flash powder in it. I said, why did you do that? He goes, because it was closing night and we had some extra material. And we thought, you know, let's make a big bang and it would be fun. I said, how many people knew about this? And he said, basically the whole tech crew. I said, so 11 people knew this. And afterwards, nobody told me why this pyro burned all the way to the ground. He goes, yeah. He goes, everybody thought you'd be livid. I said, well, I, I probably would have been. And it's probably smart as she waited three weeks to tell me. But I said, tell me again how you made it. They said, well, we took three sheets and we put the, you know, the powder in there and we wrapped it up real tight. So if you've never used flash paper, folks, Flash paper is what musicians put in the end of their wands and it shoots out or they like light it in their hand and it burns up instantly. But the more layers of flash paper you use, the longer it will burn. And basically having that flash powder in it makes an instant boom that kind of like just burns a hole through the flash paper. And then the flash paper has to burn from the middle out to the tips. And when you had three layers there, there's a lot more to burn. And when they're packed tight, a lot less oxygen is getting into that paper. So the paper will burn longer. And that's the reason it burned all the way to the ground that then ignited the floor. So when you really think in hindsight, if the, if the pyro would have been used like all the other rehearsal nights, it would have never made it to the floor on fire. It would have burned out within probably 18 inches of where the launcher or the igniter was. If we would have flamed X the floor, uh, I mean, the fake floor of the forest, it couldn't have burned. Okay. So the reason I want to share this story, and I know somebody's probably thinking, well, gosh, Damon, why are you telling this story? You're wanting people to think theater is awesome and theater is great and theater is all these things. Look, folks, it is. But there's a reality in the theater that I really want you to know if you're listening. You know, everybody always says, you know, um, you've got to respect the theater. You've got to respect the safety of the theater. There's catwalks you can fall off of. There's orchestra pits you can fall into. There's saws and nailers and welders. There's all this stuff around that can make your life so freaking awesome uh, to be a part of. To me, theater has always been bigger than me. And that's the reason I love being part of theater. But there's a safety side to theater just like flying an airplane. Flying an airplane to me is one of the greatest things in the world. Going up and doing aerobatics, flying upside down an airplane, to me, there's not many highs bigger than that. But the responsibility you have to have as a pilot 
also rolls over into other trades that you might do. You know, you could be a person that installs high power tension lines and makes a boatload of money and you got two houses, one in Phoenix and, you know, let's say one in Indiana. But when you're up on those big power lines, safety is the absolute number one thing. So when you're in the theater, you can have some of the most rewarding experiences in your life because you worked with a team, a tech crew, a cast, you met great people, you built great scenery, you did an awesome lighting design, or, you, or you're the board op and you had a great show, or you're the audio engineer and you had a perfect show, none of the wireless mics popped or clicked on you. Everything can go perfect, but you've got to remember at the end of the day, you have huge responsibilities. And honestly, to me, that's kind of a high too. When people trust you with a theater because you're trained and you are disciplined and you respect it, that's a huge responsibility. And I've always loved the fact that people would trust me with their theaters. So that's really all I wanted to share in this podcast, everybody. I mean, I could talk literally an hour about that night. And it's as vivid today as it was the day it happened to me. And, you know, I've had several people say to me, what if you weren't there? What would have happened? Well, the worst thing would have happened is the floor would have kept burning. It would have caught the fake tree trunks on fire and it would have burned up and it would have burned the fly tower out of that building until the sprinklers went off. I still believe everybody would have gotten out of that room safely. I still believe everybody uh, would have gotten out all the exits safely. I mean, that's the reason theaters are built with fire curtains. That's the reason they're built with so many exits. That's the reason you have to remain calm. Okay. And just so you know, I always brief the students on what, if something went wrong, what to do. And this, and I'll tell you what I always brief them is if there's a fire bigger than a trash can on fire, go to the nearest exit and get out of the building. As a student, it's not up to you to try to fight a fire. If you are what I call a civilian in a theater, which is the actor or the volunteer or the parent, and there is a fire in the theater, it's bigger than a trash can, leave the theater, okay? On your way out, if you want to drop the fire curtain, do it. If you want to pull the fire alarm, do it, but get out of the theater. Because the thing is, is folks, most theaters have people down inside the dressing rooms. They have people up in the or, uh, up in the uh, lighting booth or control booth, I'm trying to say as I trip all over my words. There's people all over that room. And when a fire starts, the number one thing to do is get out of that room. Okay? Now, if you're on a stage and there's a stairway that goes down to the dressing room and it's only got two exits and you see a fire on stage, absolutely pull the fire alarm, scream down those stairs, fire, fire, fire as loud as you can. But I would recommend you don't go down there. Okay, don't go down into the theater somewhere that if smoke starts to get thick and you come back up, there's too much smoke. Okay, They'll, they will hear the fire alarms down there. Even if they're in a shower, the fire alarms are very loud. But get out. As you're leaving, if you see an adult or somebody who's going into the theater, tell them there's people in the dressing room. There's people in the control booth. Communication is number one in an emergency. But the most important thing you can do is get your butt out of there. Okay. Now, I've worked in professional theaters where a lot of us are trained how to use fire extinguishers, how to use the fire blanket. We're trained how to use that stuff. 
And we know that if we can't get it under control within seconds, you know, we're going to get out because we don't want to get into the smoke and everything. So that's it, folks. I'm going to shut this one down. It's gone long enough. I just am very passionate about safety. And I know there'll be a lot of people listening that will say, wow, this should have been done or that should have been done. I agree. And if you're listening to this on my LinkedIn or on my Facebook or wherever, leave comments. Let me know. Um, But yeah, that's it, folks. Do me a favor. Go see a show, a real show, not a movie. Go see a performance. Support the arts. And I'll see you next time. And my next podcast is going to be about all the money I made fixing audio systems in high schools. Rock on. Rock on.